Hello and welcome to the show. Today is a True Crime Talk Radio Tuesday. No, I'm not going to be introducing every segment like that, but yes, this is the first regularly scheduled True Crime Talk Radio episode. I have a few things with that title here on this channel, Black Box Online Radio, but I'm hoping that this is going to turn into a regular segment for the Tuesday spot, so please uh, look out for more episodes Monday through Friday in the future, and yesterday I mentioned that there is going to be a regular deep dive podcast segment on the disappearance of Donna Lass that will be coming out on Thursdays over the next um, couple weeks or months. I mean, there's no end in sight, just going to see where it goes and see what happens with that, and that will all be happening in addition to the regularly scheduled Zodiac Mondays, Wednesday, the AMA and the Anything Goes Friday. Now, before we get into the true crime stuff, I would just like to give a shout-out slash promotion slash invitation to you guys to check out another YouTube channel. I was watching the show Naked and Afraid on the Discovery Channel a couple weeks ago, and there was a marathon that was on, I think it was a Saturday night, and um, I saw one of the people on that show, Naked and Afraid, named Bulent Gurkin, and he actually has a YouTube channel called Barehanded Enterprises. I just got on YouTube because after watching that... Um, series like the marathon i just wanted to see if this contestant from the show had done any interviews and he had and i watched one and then i saw that he was doing his own youtube channel which is like a personal vlog segment talking to the camera but it covers all kinds of subjects diet exercise emotional health politics religion racism absolutely anything is fair game whole lot of good stuff over there so i've been watching uh many of his videos and um, if you're into uh just those open-ended discussions approaching things with an open mind barehanded enterprises is the name of his youtube channel now to get into today's discussion i would like to begin by promoting another channel that is available here on YouTube, and that is the Tate LaBianca radio program, one that I've been talking about a lot recently because I've said that I'm making it a personal project to try and listen to every single episode of the Tate LaBianca radio program, which is hosted by Brian Davis and Tana Laufenberg. Tana Laufenberg has a claim to fame, and that is that she was the final person to interview Charles Manson before he died, and she has a book coming out at some point in the future. So I was listening to this episode that's talking all about Charles Manson, the Sharon Tate murders, the LaBianca murders that occurred in 1969, borderline coinciding with the Zodiac Killer crimes, except for the fact that, and many people have pointed this out, that the Tate-LaBianca murders occurred in August of 1969, whereas the Blue Rock Springs shooting with the Zodiac Killer occurred in July. The Lake Berryessa stabbing occurred in September. Then you have the Tate-LaBianca murders in early August. So you have July, August, September. What's going on there? And there um, could be some theories as to why that is happening. Maybe Howard Davis is right about everything, and it was Bruce Davis all along. And he, he isn't the only person to have suspected um, Bruce Davis of being the Zodiac Killer. Bill Nelson has also uh, written many things about that. And Bill Nelson is a guy that I've seen on several different programs, even an episode of Geraldo Rivera's talk show, where he was um, actually just being very critical of Charles Manson and Manson's followers and the family. And it sounded like Bill Nelson was making lots of sense. He has books out and he has numerous um, publications to his name. Also invite you 
you to check out some of his things, but um, as opposed to approaching it with an open mind, I would um, approach Bill Nelson with a magnifying glass, just make sure there's no sneaking around. So I was listening to this episode about from the Tate LaBianca radio program, and the host, Brian Davis, said that he encountered a podcast that occasionally talks about the Manson family, and it really sucked. And part of me got really egotistical, and another part of me got um, really self-deprecating. I was like, hey, he's about to say my name. I just knew it, right? And then the other part of me was like, oh, no, please don't say Black Box Online Radio. But no, he did not. I mean, I highly doubt that he is even listening to this channel at all. Although if Brian Davis ever wants to uh, subscribe to Black Box Online Radio, who am I to say no? The channel that he actually called out was the Stones Unturned podcast, which is hosted by Thomas Henry Horn. Back in 2020, Thomas Horn did a very long series on the Manson family and the Tate-LaBianca murders, and looking at numerous theories about this, and about those crimes, rather. And he called him out saying, firstly, as I said, that um, the channel uh, wasn't very good, that the podcast episodes on the Tate LaBianca murders were really bad, everything he says about Manson is wrong. And I was going to play maybe a two or three minute audio clip for you guys, but I decided not to because it's just loaded with insults. And if you would like to um, listen to that episode, though, it is the Tate LaBianca radio program, and the date on it is March 28th. 21, like 32821 is going to be the date at the top. Like, um, a lot of his episodes have very similar titles, but the uh, dates on them are cataloged, archived, recorded. And it starts at, I think it was 47 or 48 minutes into the episode when he started talking about Thomas Henry Horan, who's not only someone who follows the Manson case, but is the author of the Great Zodiac Killer hoax series, the myth of the Zodiac Killer. He is the guy who believes that there are was a series of murders that took place in 1968 and 69, but there was no actual Zodiac killer. Instead, someone wrote letters taking credit for murders that he did not commit. And the reason why Brian Davis said the Stones Unturned podcast sucked was because um, for something that uh, I didn't even remember, I heard that entire series on the Manson family from the Stones Unturned podcast, and there was a claim that was apparently made that one of the victims... It, the Tay LaBianca murders was named Stephen Parent, and the mainstream definition, or the mainstream version of the story, rather than a definition, is that Stephen Parent was there to sell a clock radio to somebody, and that he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that he got blindsided by Tex Watson and Charles Manson's other two lady goons, and he was murdered. And Thomas Henry Horan had allegedly proposed that Stephen Parent was um, killed by someone who was sitting in the back seat of his car, meaning that he had some prior connection to um, the people that were around, to the Manson family, and that one of them was in the back seat of his car and they shot Stephen Parent. And uh, Brian Davis just had that uh, response where he turned off the episode and said, This guy sucks. I'm not listening to him. And I was absolutely. What did, what did Russell Crowe say in A Beautiful Mind? Mortified, petrified, and stupefied. Like he said something to that effect. Because like that, that made you turn off the episode. I don't know, when I hear stuff like that, I at least want to find out what the other person has to say. That uh, one of the victims at the Tate LaBianca murders had a bigger connection to the Manson family. But um, Brian Davis and Tonal Offenberg have been following this for 15 years. So they are very critical of, um, I guess, far-out claims. 
But um, then they, they, Brian Davis had a reversal, and he said that he wanted to give the Stones Unturned podcast another chance. So he listened to a different episode one day, and it was talking about Maury Terry and the Ultimate Evil, although Brian was calling him Terry Maury. I mean, he's followed the Tate LaBianca murders for 15 years, and he didn't seem to know who Maury Terry was. I mean, yeah, okay, whatever, but I mean, that's kind of beside the point now. And then he just said he's not listening to Thomas Horan anymore. He's not listening to The Stones Unturned because he is talking all about Maury Terry, the Ultimate Evil, the idea that there are links between some of these activities on the West Coast and some of these activities on the East Coast, that there is an established link between the Son of Sam slayings in the later 1970s and the Tate LaBianca murders and Charles Manson in the late 1960s. Thomas Horne has gone a step further and said that it's not only the Son of Sam, it's not only the Manson family, it's also the Zodiac Killer. And, um, well, before I you know, do any type of, like, picking anything apart and rearranging things around. Brian Davis, the host of the Tate LaBianca program, just said, that's it, he's never listening to the show again. And I'm also quite um, surprised that something like that would be, would be enough for somebody not to continue to see what someone has to say. And there's a very big reason that I say that, because there are so many outrageous claims on the Stones Unturned podcast, and it goes way beyond Stephen Parent was shot by somebody in the back seat of his car. I mean, if that gets you all, like, jostled about, then, I mean, well, you probably need to take a chill pill. But here's a larger one. I mean, here's one of the reasons why I was critical of the Stones Unturned podcast and the theories that were put forward about the Manson family. One is that they didn't even actually commit the murders. The Manson family, that is, the people like Tex Watson and Susan Atkins and Patricia Krenwinkel, they didn't actually commit those murders. They were just brainwashed by MK Ultra, or, I mean, brainwashed by the CIA via MK Ultra, and they all have fake memories. It's psychological warfare. I mean, that was something that was discussed on one episode. And I find that claims like that are just, um, it's a little bit harder to tolerate, but I definitely keep listening. And um, I guess I'm kind of regretting not playing that audio clip for you guys now, because I, there was something that I was going to do where I was just going to say that diehard researchers often get very frustrated about um, conspiracy theorists. And The Stones Unturned is a conspiracy theory show. The Zodiac hoax theory is a conspiracy theory. It's that two or more people are plotting and planning behind the scenes, usually for a malicious reason. And that segment that was done by Brian Davis could just have easily been done by Tom Voigt, except take out Charles Manson and put in Zodiac Killer, and that's exactly what Tom Voigt said about Thomas Henry Horan's uh, Zodiac Hoax Theory when I did the episode Tom Voigt on the Zodiac Hoax Theory, where um, I was reading off a message that Tom Voigt had provided me with for one of the episodes here on this channel, and it was just that, like, and here's a big though problem, though, with people who are um, criticizing conspiracy theories. Firstly, they say the conspiracy theory is wrong. Secondarily, they say that it's wrong because they're an expert. And the, the the next one is that they're just like, it's ridiculous, it's outrageous, I've been following this for 15 years, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. You're going to hear all of these things, but what you don't hear too frequently is, why is the conspiracy theory wrong? And um, also, 
it can be a double-edged sword. Other people can just be like, they're just going along with someone's uh, narration and somebody's um, ramblings. It's like, wow, that's so insightful. I never thought of it that way before. And some people are going to try and convince you, yeah, you've never thought of it that way before because it's just saying things in a weird and confusing way and you're curious about it and you're listening to it. But the guy isn't really going anywhere with his conspiracy theory. He's just talking in circles and adding in certain fictitious elements. Here's something very important to remember, and I'm not, I'm not accusing Thomas Warren of adding in any fiction at all. This is just about conspiracy theories in general, not directed at him personally. But here's something about how conspiracy theories function. Almost everybody believes that conspiracy theories use real facts. They have not only a grain of truth, but an enormous amount of truth. They're using real facts. Their points are solid. It's just that they create sometimes fictitious connections among these different facts that have been arranged. Like between two facts, there will be a fictitious connection. This thing is true and that thing is true. Therefore, it must be the whole vast conspiracy out there. And I believe I was discussing this with Jerry B in the comment section when I did the episodes on Jack the Ripper. And if I could go back in time and just add in like five more days to the week at any point in the year, I would do an enormous expose on Jack the Ripper and looking at the Whitechapel murders. Because if anything, as someone who is an absolute outsider to Ripperology, I think that the Jack the Ripper hoax theory might have even more weight than the Zodiac hoax theory. It, the idea that there wasn't a single Jack the Ripper is just that some people from the newspapers were not committing murders. The thing that I would be curious about, the hypothesis that I would want to test, is that were people discovering murder victims and then mutilating the bodies. Like, it could even be one person. Maybe there is an actual ripper, but he's not committing the murders. It's just people are murdered, right? Murders do occur. And the ripper victims were almost exclusively sex workers, and their bodies were absolutely eviscerated. I think it was Super Strike 9 who said something about the murder of Mary Kelly, the uh, final ripper victim. And um, he said that the photo of the crime scene where Mary Kelly was murdered was one of the most gruesome things that he has ever seen. I absolutely agree with that. But there are all sorts of um, inconsistencies with the Ripper, the same way that there are inconsistencies with the Zodiac Killer. And I'd have an episode on the murder of Long Liz Stride, and she was a, one of the victims who was allegedly killed by the Ripper, but not mutilated. And um, then it just raises all these questions. The Long Liz Stride was also the only victim who was murdered south of Whitechapel Road. I think I've remembered that correctly. So you have all of these things that just... Well, it, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, or at the very least, if there was an actual ripper, one person committing the murders, one person committing the mutilations, one person writing the letters and the messages, and things like the Saucy Jackie postcard, that he was um, just not a pattern-oriented serial killer. That could be the explanation. The same reason why we have all of these. Um, out of um, the ordinary things in the Zodiac Killer mystery, all of these inconsistent things, it's just some people think that's it. The Zodiac wasn't a pattern-oriented serial killer, or that he was cold, methodical, and calculating rather rather than someone who was um, 
following sexual urges. But I said I was exchanging some comments with Jerry B in the comment section below, someone who shared a lot of things about Jack the Ripper with me and provided things for the episodes here on this channel. Big thank you to him. And he said that with his Ripper theory that so many people will tell him it's wrong, it's ridiculous, it's outrageous, it's nonsense. But when you ask them to provide explanations as to why, it's um, really quite difficult to get someone to do that. They just say, no, you're wrong. Well, why is it wrong? Because it's crazy and end of story. Like, people aren't talking about the merits of the theory. Now, am, have I ever done that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Should I have done that? Maybe yes, maybe no. Like, when someone sent me that one video of a guy, I don't even know who he was or remember the name of his channel, and I'm not even going to go back to look it up because I've, I've talked about it on a previous episode, but he was the person who said that the Zodiac Killer tattooed images on the teeth of his victims. Yeah, yeah, okay, I got the autopsy photos. No, you don't. I'll tell you what there is. I mean, like, firstly, um... In terms of tackling the uh, ideas and battling the cases, I mean, I had that moment when I just turned off the episode for a second. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? The Zodiac Killer tattooed images on the teeth of the victims and only you figured it out 52 years later? Ay ay ay. But um, to talk about the, the merit of that idea, he doesn't have any images of the um, tattoos on the teeth of the victims. Those are called fillings. People have had dental work in the past. And yeah, okay, there are two dots in a line. You're trying to say that it's a smiley face. No, they're not. I mean, that's just fillings and some, like, lines on someone's teeth. And there are theories out there that even I think are super ridiculous. Many times on this channel, I will try and um, evaluate the... Um, merit of someone's idea, and you're just trying to, like, weigh the balance. Okay, they've said this, and they said that. Hmm, I'm curious about this. I don't think that that's the strongest point. You're evaluating that there. You're trying to learn more about what someone has to say, but I've definitely had moments like that when I'm like, this guy's just making up crap. I mean, maybe he genuinely believes it, whoever the hell he is. I, As I said, I'm not even going to waste my time going back to look up um, who that person was who said that there were tattoos on the teeth of Zodiac Killer victims. But about some of these other things, like um, the MK Ultra theory, like that, well, or that the um, people like Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Tex Watson didn't actually commit the Tate LaBianca murders. They were just brainwashed into thinking that they had done that. Like it's there are false memories that have been inserted into their memory um, capacities because of MK Ultra. I would put that up there in that category. Yeah, I do think that that is absolutely ridiculous, and I wish that I could provide an explanation why, but um. Uh, to, to, to try and tackle the merit of that idea, I would firstly say that you could just defer and be like Hitchens Razor. If someone makes a claim, then the burden of proof is on them. It's on the person who's making the claim. It's your responsibility to prove your case before anyone is trying to dismantle it. But if I actually have to take and make an attempt to do that, it would simply be that just that there is not an established connection from the from the free clinic at Haight-Ashbury to the Manson family. And this is the stuff that they talk about on the Tate LaBianca radio program. Okay, Tom O'Neill wrote this book called Chaos. It talks all about the CIA, MKUltra. We're doing these experiments with LSD, and they're trying to find out what's happening. And But how... What is... What is beyond that? Like, what is the connection? You have the facts that are true. The CIA had something called MKUltra. You had the Manson family... 
Where is the connecting fact? Where is the smoking gun or bloody knife, the red-handed palm print, that connects the CIA and MKUltra to the Manson family? I don't personally believe that anybody has substantiated that claim. Now, I would like to go on to a different segment here on this True Crime Talk Radio Tuesday. No, I said I wouldn't call it that. And I was just going up and down YouTube, and I saw a video that had been recommended to me, and it was from Dr. Phil's channel. Dr. Phyllis made a few appearances here on Black Box Online Radio, particularly in the episode Serial Killers vs. Abusive Relationships, which you can listen to. It's an old throwback with the uh, pink bubbles on the screen. Those were the days, were they not? But, um, actually, I come to think of that, was that even a Pink Bubbles episode? Probably, yes. But the whole point is, um, that was discussing his book, Life Code, and comparing some of the ways that he described abusers in relationships, which he calls baiters, and the psychological characteristics of serial killers, which I've observed going through a bazillion documentaries. I would, uh, invite you to listen to that one as well. But there's another reason why I'm talking about Dr. Phil. It's because I saw the title of an episode that had been uploaded to his YouTube channel. My ex-husband believes he's being tortured electromagnetically. And the reason why I had to watch that one was because I just knew that he was going to share some things that were relevant to a more recent Zodiac Killer episode on Black Box Online Radio. And um, the guy in this episode, if you would like to hear this one, as I said one more time, it's my ex-husband believes he's being tortured electromagnetically. And uh, Dr. Phil's channel is now uh, uploading some episodes that are kind of done in the mini format. They have like 25, 26-minute things where it's an abridged version of his full episodes. I'm sure that the listeners, are, the listeners have uh, requested that for a long time. But... It was just taking the words out of a previous episode that I had done on Black Box Online Radio. I interviewed somebody named Sherry, not going to give out her full name, about her Zodiac Killer suspect, whom we also gave the a fictitious name to, and we called him Arthur Franks. And you can hear that one on Black Box Online Radio, Zodiac Killer, the Arthur Franks story. And much like the title of that episode, My Ex-Husband Believes He's Being Tortured Electromagnetically, this person, Sherry was believing that she was being tortured with needles, like syringes to be precise, or that she was being regularly drugged. She was being tortured with some types of drugs, and this um these things started for the exact same way. It's like the exact same thought pattern, because in the Dr. Phil episode, some guy was saying that he was arrested by a police officer, and that he had experience some type of police misconduct. The officer did something unethical, and that officer later on went on to commit suicide, and that the police were harassing him using electromagnetic wavelength or whatever it is that electromagnetism has. I was about to say um, radiation, but I held back because I don't think that's the right word. They're using electromagnetism to torture him, and police helicopters are flying over, and they're sending out these um, electromagnetic wavelengths that are um, messing with his brain, and the only way that he can defend himself is if he has plastic rings on his fingers and he will interfere with all of his uh, ex-wife's uh, materials. So um, I'm sure that you're already formulating some responses to that, but when I was interviewing Sherry for um, 
that episode. I mean, she just approached me and said that she had a Zodiac killer suspect, you know, getting an email. I didn't know what she was going to say. And she said that um, it was actually her psychologist, uh, and we're calling him Arthur Franks. It's the exact same story, though. She uncovered someone's misconduct, and it wasn't the psychologist, though. It was her previous employer. Sherry was working at a food and beverage company, and she saw something that she shouldn't have. She learned that her employer was involved with money laundering, most likely a front for organized crime. She couldn't prove that, but that just seemed like the most logical explanation to her, and that she then she was immediately terminated. And both of these people are saying, I'm being tortured because they want me to commit suicide, because then if I commit suicide, they can just say that I was crazy. I mean, it was really quite identical. And you might be thinking something, well, is, does this person have a mental illness or something like that? And the answer to that is most likely yes, but I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have any ability to diagnose anybody. Oh, and um, I noticed that uh, Dr. Todd Grande is now selling a new line of merchandise on his YouTube channel, and one of them is a t-shirt that says, I'm not diagnosing anyone. I'm just just brought that up because I was looking at that last night, and um, it seems to be kind of another same wavelength here. But it's just that, that it seems like a variant of paranoid schizophrenia, if I have to be honest, that the person in that Dr. Phil episode who thought he was being tortured by magnets because he learned of someone's wrongdoing, and then these people want to um, have him commit suicide because then they won't be accountable for that wrongdoing in the past. And Sherry's claims were rather similar, except for the fact that she uh, said she went to the police about being tortured with syringes. And yes, these are drugs things. These are drug-related things. That She said that men with syringes will come out and stab her, and that even her family members would do that, except they put the drugs in her food. So she's being tortured with some type of, um, some type of chemically-induced uh, torturous variant. So she had to go see a psychologist to prove to the police that she was sane, but because this very powerful businessman who owned the food and beverage company was um, monitoring her actions, he paid off that psychologist, Arthur Franks, to continue the drug-induced torture. And at that point, um, Arthur Franks thought that um, Sherry was under the influence of some type of chemically-induced therapy. And long story short would be that he drugged her himself and that he confessed to her that he was the Zodiac killer. And somebody even wrote uh, in the comments section, I think you were talking to a um, high-functioning paranoid schizophrenic. And maybe, yes, maybe, no, like I said, I can't give any specific diagnosis to something like that. I debated long and hard. I was like, should I continue with this? Should I put that episode out there? I was trying to tone down the language. But I was even wrestling with that. Is this even ethical for me to put somebody's story out there? The same way that they were accusing Dr. Phil of being unethical for talking to somebody. And he's trying to debate with this guy who has the electromagnetic torture. And he's putting plastic rings on his uh, fingers and such to keep the electromagnetism away. And Dr. Phil is trying to challenge the merit of his ideas. He's trying to argue with him. He's trying to debate him. He's trying to say why the guy is wrong or that why it's all in his head. But if he's a paranoid schizophrenic, and I don't know if he was or not, then he um, wouldn't really be able to participate in any debate because he is mentally ill. And um, 
I ended up uploading Sherry's episode anyway, called Zodiac Killer, the Arthur Frank story. But um, in the past, like, or I guess I should say in the future, I would do something like that. And part of me was like, I don't actually know if she is, um, if she's mentally ill or anything. Someone has come forward with the story saying that some men have stabbed her with syringes and that she went to see a psychologist and he confessed to being the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, it sounds like a big story, but who am I to say that she's false? And instead, though, if you go back and listen to that episode, Zodiac Killer, the Arthur Frank story, you'll hear about how I once again try to challenge the merit of her ideas because her theory is contingent upon accepting the Santa Rosa hitchhiker slayings as genuine Zodiac activity. I absolutely do not believe that the Santa Rosa hitchhiker slayings were committed by the Zodiac Killer for that same reason that I said about the tattoos on the teeth. The Zodiac didn't do anything to the victim's bodies, and whoever committed the Santa Rosa hitchhiker slayings carried the bodies like a hundred yards in some instances. One of them was even raped. The Zodiac didn't rape any of his victims. And I was talking about the murder of Kim Wendy Allen, to be precise. She was uh, raped during the Santa Rosa hitchhiker slaying. She was the girl who was carrying the now-famous soy barrel. So if I had a chance to do that as a, as a do-over... I would have just told the person that I had been talking to, hey, but you've accused your psychologist of um, this confession. This is medically related. I'm sorry, I can't do your episode. And I said something um, similar on the um, on on a an AMA one week when someone asked me about um, that, and I said that I would have to just start turning people away because of because of that exact reason. I didn't want to exploit anybody or take advantage of anyone. I didn't want to put somebody's um, story out there and have that fuel their mental illness because, I mean, especially for somebody like me who doesn't have the ability to diagnose whether or not someone is mentally ill, it's like this could be pouring gasoline on a fire or it could be absolutely harmless. But for someone who's hosting the program, it's just a giant question mark and you don't know what's going to happen. So I I had a lot of conflicting feelings, but if I had that uh, do-over again, as I said, I would just say this is a medically related issue because you've accused your psychologist of this. I wouldn't participate in that. And that brings up a very big question about Dr. Phil because a lot of people were pointing that out in the comments section that the guy that he was talking to about the electromagnetism and that type of torturous activity, he uh, was someone who seemed like he was dealing with a mental illness. They're like, why is Dr. Phil debating him? And they were simply trying to label Dr. Phil as an exploiter. They're saying, this is how that show functions. Exploitation, exploitation, exploitation. He just exploits the problems of people who are dealing with real-life issues for profit. And there's a very big double-edged sword that goes on with programs like Dr. Phil, but he often gets the um, the full frontal of it because, as uh, Stefan Molyneux pointed out, Dr. Phil is the largest self-help show in the world. And I think the only reason why I'm talking about him now is, other than the Zodiac Killer-Sherry uh, connection, is that um, just that. I find self-help to be very valuable. I used to listen to loads of self-help shows like uh, feeling Good, The Happiness Lab, hosted by Dr. Lori Santos. 
I love learning about those things because sometimes people will share some very, very insightful things, and it actually allows you to improve. There's a lot of great self-help stuff on uh, that channel, Barehanded Enterprises, that I was just promoting, hosted by Bulend. I mean, you will um, hear a lot of things about thinking in a different way, and not everything that Dr. Phil has said is bad. I know it's a horribly unpopular opinion, but he has shared some good ideas in the past. However, when it comes to the concept of exploitation, there, this really came to light during his interview with Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall worked um, on the movie Popeye with Robin Williams, but she's most famous for playing Jack Nicholson's wife in The Shining, although she was absolutely terrible at swinging a baseball bat in that one. And Dr. Phil was interviewing her after the suicide of Robin Williams. I mean, rest in peace to that guy. We miss him every day. And he's like, what do you think happened to Robin Williams? And she said, he's shape-shifting. And they were like, what on earth is he doing interviewing this woman who is clearly in a state when there, there's no possible way she could have even consented to an interview. She is so um, detached from reality. She's experiencing some type of very intense mental issue. And then, though, after the interview, of course, the Dr. Phil show paid for her treatment. And many people who go on those shows are going there because they're seeking treatment plans, they want to go to rehab facilities, they want to go to psychiatric care facilities. Even the Cash Me Outside girl went to some type of um some type of farm where she did some horse therapy and so on. I shouldn't have called her that. It's the Catch Me Outside girl. She definitely said Catch Me Outside. Uh, how about that? And Dr. Phil was like, what's that mean? Cash me outside. It's all just um, theater. And there's a lot of theater that goes on there. But the double-edged um, issue is that the shows like that actually do provide people with support, but the way that they're able to pay for it, the way that they're able to pay for all of these uh, plans is through um, having the show in the first place that people can come on, they can tell their story, the TV show can make money, and then they can get people perhaps even better care than they would receive otherwise. So I think that is um, something that is, it, it's, it just goes into the category of life is complicated. Life is messy, and there isn't always a very clear answer about right and wrong, ethical versus unethical. I will definitely try and um, learn more about all of these true crime theories, though, whether someone is promoting something that I think is um, too far to be reasoned with. Yeah, I'm going to watch their video, and after I stop that episode on... Um, the uh, tattoos on the teeth. Yeah, I stopped her for a while and was like, yeah, what a big piece of crap. And then I went back and I finished it and followed it to the end. But um, that's kind of an easier example to debunk. But sometimes, though, let's not kid ourselves. We listen to conspiracy theories because they are entertaining, because it's thinking about things in a different way. Sometimes you just want to sit back, eat your popcorn, and be like, wow, that is one extreme ridiculous, outrageous, far out way of connecting the dots, and just that's it, game over. You're not a believer in it, you don't actually think the conspiracy theory is true, or also, better yet, you are not someone who is going to have it affect your worldview. You're just finding this way of um, connecting the dots to be entertaining. And with the world of conspiracy theories, I think that there's somewhat of a justification for that. 
Whereas in the true crime world, if this is true crime talk radio, I would have to argue against that, that if people are going to um, try and compose some very far-out, wacky theories to solve a mystery, I think that's horribly unethical. True, I mean, like, conspiracy theories, if you're talking about politics, the New World Order, the Deep State, the Shadow Government, the Parallel Government, the Invisible Government, if you want to come up with some wacky theory about that, yeah, I'll sit back, watch that, and eat my popcorn with the rest of you and be like, damn, that's some crazy stuff. Okay, you're talking about politics and corporations and how the system is rigged. Whatever. Who cares? Seriously, who cares? I mean, that's not about the individual people, or it's not about zoning in on someone's life who didn't have any of that massive political power, like the Zodiac Killer victims, for example. When some people come up with these um, ridiculous Zodiac theories that are all about, um, all about how they're saying anything that they don't actually believe to be true just to make a splash, just to make some noise that's bad. If someone genuinely believes their theory, more power to them. And I even think that Sherry, whoever she is, actually believed her theory about her psychologist was the Zodiac Killer. I don't think she was trying to pull a fast one on me, where she wasn't playing a part just so that she could get her name mentioned on a podcast. If you're going to try and make up a, a story to get mentioned on a podcast, you don't have to use Black Box Online Radio. This is a small channel. You should go to the, one of those... uh. Any name who is bigger than me. I mean, how about that? But with the true crime world, if anybody is saying a theory that they don't genuinely believe, they are doing an absolute disservice to the victims and to themselves. Whether it's Jack the Ripper, the Zodiac Killer, we're connecting things, as we said, like maybe if someone thinks that it's the Zodiac, yeah, killer, Charles Manson, the son of Sam, but then they're going to make up a story and connect it to um, a different series of murders that took place of whether it's something like Dean Coral, the Candyman, or John Wayne Gacy, or Jeffrey Dahmer. If they don't genuinely believe what they're saying, then you can't listen to that person anymore. Or if you think that anyone is trying to deceive you in making up a true crime theory for profit, that is absolutely sickening. And that type of thinking has no place in the 21st century. Um, they're not talking about politics anymore. They're not talking about um, things like governments and corporations. Those aren't um, people who actually experienced something horrendously traumatic. They're not the people who lost their loved ones. They're not the people who were murdered or someone who was involved in a major disappearance. But that's just my take on the subject, and anybody can respond in the comments section if you, um, I think I would just ask that as a challenge question. Have you ever listened to a conspiracy theorist for entertainment? Like, um, and if you say yes, I, I won't hold it against you. I've said that I do that. If you say no, I won't hold that against you either. But, um, I have taken a pretty clear stance that I believe it's somewhat unethical to um, exploit true crime cases, but um, then there are things like the Dr. Phil show that do have the budget, the resources, the money to give people things like treatment plans if they bring somebody on there who's telling a true crime story, and they do this all the time. Like, they bring people who are involved with disappearances, murders, accidental deaths, and um, they they talk to somebody, and then they give the family counseling, or as I said, they can send people to um, um, care homes and so on. I mean, they have the ability to uh, 
provide people with resources. So then you're just like, well, is it really worth the trade-off broadcasting somebody's story to the entire nation, especially somebody like Shelley Duvall, who didn't have the mental faculties to um, consent to an interview, no matter who's doing this, even if she had some type of um, conservatorship like Britney Spears, which I don't think Shelley Duvall had. But that would just be... Um, Maybe that would cross the line. And let's not kid ourselves. There is a gray area. Let's be clear about that. There is a gray area in life. And yes, of course, you can sift through the gray area to try get and get a greater understanding of humanity. But sometimes there are going to be solid lines. And there can be a fine line. And that line can be crossed. And some people will do bad things. There definitely can be cases when someone is trying to do something and they think that they're in the right, but then they actually ended up doing something very wrong. Well, I'm going to have to conclude the episode on that note. And if you want to weigh in on any of the discussions about Charles Manson, Brian Davis, Thomas Henry Horan, the Zodiac Killer, the Tate LaBianca murders, share anything you want in the comments section below. Or if you want to talk about conspiracy theories, you can write in your messages there as well. This show is available for free downloads at Launchpad 1. There's a link to that in the description box for the YouTube listeners. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Black Box Online Radio. The best way to help this channel is just by listening, like going back and listening to old episodes like Serial Killers vs. Abusive Relationships, which is talking about the book Life Code by Dr. Phil and some of his observations. But another great way to um, support the show is visiting the Teespring page. There are numerous pieces of merchandise available, numerous kinds of t-shirts, almost all sizes and colors are listed, and remember, being weird is not a crime. All right, well, I will see you guys over on Instagram, blackboxnid88. See you over there for the bonus podcast. Until next time.